A study that tells us that Christians are self-censoring. We'll discuss why. And then, when is it time to distrust your pastor? It's Father's Day weekend. And later, it's Friday. You know what that means. A top five list. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Friday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us. Aubrey, we've made it to the end of the week. We've last week, it. Last week, you were on vacation. Guess what? I'm heading out of town. I know. You're going to be gone all week. What am I going to do without you, Brian? I, I almost sounded really insensitive. I almost said, I don't care. I'm going to be on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. No, that's right. Just go. I'll take care of it. Don't even worry about it. We now, won't even I will here. understand if you do to me what I do to you when you're on vacation, where I still send you screenshots of things that I know will make you angry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually get some good content to send you every single morning. I'm going to wake you up with like, ooh, this will make Brian mad. But the good this thing will... is you don't know the things that make me angry as much as I know the things. Like I know. You wear that's them kind of true. Sleeves. You like kind of keep your anger close to your close to your heart so i'm gonna there have to dig go. around close a little bit heart. it'll be some, something about like the mets the mets doing something wrong i'll don't find those you, articles don't you dare <laughs> oh, oh, see i got it i got it <laughs> yeah, that's funny that's funny well if you've missed any of the shows this week uh we'd encourage you to go get our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast subscribe rate review you can also find us online at 1160hope.com facebook twitter and instagram at Common Good Talk. Well, over at Christian Headlines, Aubrey, a fascinating study. Let me read to you just the headline. Christians are self-censoring their beliefs due to secular intolerance, mm. study finds. According to a new report, Christians who find it difficult to freely express their beliefs in society due to secular intolerance are practicing, quote, various forms of self-censorship. The report titled, Perceptions of Self-Censorship was put together uh, in Europe and in case studies across the world. It says this, secular intolerance has a chilling effect on Christians, which directly affects their capacity to express their faith freely in society and is leading to various forms of self-censorship. Some people do indeed fear being subjected to legal proceedings or being criminally sanctioned on charges of discrimination, while others fear being subjected to disciplinary proceedings in their wow. work or wow. uh in their work or places of work. With some exception, the majority chose to keep its expressions of faith or its opinions on issues related to life, marriage, and the family from a Christian doctrine perspective private because they had witnessed sanctions or prosecutions to which colleagues mm. or peers had been subjected. So mm. this study, it's kind of talking about the workplace, but I want to expand this to just yeah. kind of the church in general. We've yeah. talked about, we talked a couple weeks ago about uh, that that um, that article that that said uh, Christians used to be a positive world, like a positive right, influence. Right, then there was right. the then there was the neutral world, and that that this author said that now we're in a negative world. That it's negative. Mm -hmm. That plays into this. I feel like in this premise yeah, that definitely. Christians are kind of self -censor censoring. Feels like a nice way of saying not sharing, not talking, keeping right. quiet. Right. About their beliefs, about um, their Christian beliefs, mm. about various things, but maybe their faith in general. This feels not surprising, but troubling. What do you think about this? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. And I, and I it doesn't feel surprising. It 
it definitely feels troubling. And I think because that's, this is just going to be the reality more and more and more, especially where Christian beliefs just totally misalign with cultural beliefs. Mm. And I would say, I would say the hot button issues are going to be around like sexuality, marriage, gender identity, abortion. At least that's what it feels like right now. It uh, absolutely that may, does. That will probably change in time. But I think those are like the hot button issues right now where if you just, as a Christian, your convictions are leading you in a totally different way of seeing things, you can feel like, oh, I don't know if I should speak up because that's going to, one, cause problems, cause sanctions, but also cause just like, I'm going to get canceled. I'm going to, I mean, you know, there's lots of ways it could play out. And I, I, Brian, I think the troubling part of it is it's hard to know the right way to move yes. forward. Like, do you say, Hey, my, my beliefs, you know, matter more, it doesn't matter the consequences. So I'm going to, I'm going to push forward. Or are you like, Ooh, is it actually wiser not to because I have a family to support or I have, the, I, you know, I mean, I think it becomes troubling. I think it becomes, it can be really easy to sort of be like, hey, in the face of this censorship, I'm never going to be quiet. I'm going to speak mm. out loud. I'm going to like, I think we can like rally cry that the reality of that actually impacting your job, your day to day life, your kids, your spouse. I mean, that's a whole different conversation. Mm. Um but I do think this is more and more where things are going in our world. What do you think? I think you're right. I think this is this is why we said this isn't surprising. I, I do think it brings up a couple of things. One, not every battle needs to be the end of the world battle. So I do think there is some uh, – I think there's a positive side to you don't need to yell about everything. You can yeah. self-censor yourself, if you will, about everything. I, I think you make a valid point that I do think – I do think it's around issues of sexuality where this is going to become the issue for us because yeah. – uh, or yesterday we talked about culture wars. It's culture right. war issues. I don't sense a lot of people being like, oh, you believe in Jesus? How dare you? And me right. feeling like this pushback. But yeah. to say I believe in a quote-unquote biblical view of marriage, say, that will yeah. get you yelled down. To Absolutely. say that I believe that uh, you know uh, this about sexuality or or – transgenderism or whatever that will get you yelled down and labeled mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think in the past we always believed that it was like oh i can't share my faith as in like this is what i think people are fine if you're like i believe in jesus they're like great i believe in whatever yeah. it's when you start speaking to things culturally and that's where i think we have to be um what's what's the biblical saying you know wise as serpents and mm -hmm. um innocent as yeah, innocent that, doves, right. That we need to take that approach because I think that's where the censoring and sometimes since I, I don't like the word censoring here, but sometimes not inflaming things. You don't need to fight every battle. That's and it. I, yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that, Brian. Wisdom in that. Yeah, and I don't think the, the call here is therefore be louder on the street corner. But right. I don't I do think it's also where are the areas um that I've been tasked by God to speak up. And yeah. even if that yeah. reflects culturally poorly on me, I'm willing to do so. I think that's going to be a weird battle for all of us to have to walk. Yeah, it absolutely is. And it does go back to that article you referenced before, which the whole context of that, you know, um, uh, you know, an increasingly like anti-Christian world is 
our response? Is it to be, there's the camp that says like, be winsome, mm-hmm. be compassionate, build bridges. And there's the camps that's like, no, it's time to be aggressive and like dig down a little bit deeper. And I, I think that's ultimately the question that we're being posed right now. I'm going to always, I think, lean with the winsome camp. Yeah. Um, but I can see why you'd want to go the other way. I just don't know how that affect how effective that is ultimately for the yeah. sake of the gospel and the reputation of Jesus. Absolutely. The report goes on to say a few cuts do not kill you and barely hurt, but continuous small strikes eventually have an impact. We posit that the accumulation of seemingly insignificant incidences uh, incidents creates an environment in which Christians do not feel comfortable to some degree to live their faith freely. Indeed, Western Christians experience a, quote, chilling effect resulting from perceived pressures in their cultural environment related to widely uh, mediatized court cases. So part mm-hmm. of its perception, but I like that imagery of small strikes, paper cuts, right? Death by paper yeah. cuts. Yep. Uh, yep. And I think this is going to be our reality that we as Christians just need to wrestle with going forward. Yeah. Uh, how are we going to live for our faith, stand up for our faith, but still not fight every fight? Uh, what does that even begin to look like? It feels like in the summer, Aubrey, on Fridays, you should go home from work early. Like, not everybody has uh, yeah, that ability. Yeah, like, it should be, Fridays should just be a general, like, day off. Like, you sit on your back porch, and you read, yeah. and you have an iced tea or an iced coffee. Like, that's a Friday in the tea. summer. Yeah. Do you struggle with, um, I struggle with when my kids are not in school, whether it be summer or Christmas break. Like, I struggle to, like, work. Like, not oh, actually be productive, totally. but, like go to work like i don't yeah. feel like i should be there when i'm an adult you work in the summertime right right but like, right no i this is why i think i mean teachers work really 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 hard they yeah. earn everything that they get but i also really like that schedule like being yeah. able to like be off when your kids are off because i feel the same way like it feels like well if my kids don't have to go to school i shouldn't have to go to work we should all just be on vacation i do remember one of my when one of my kids were younger i don't remember which one them being like uh, it was in the summer and then being like, why are you going to work? And I don't, like, daddy doesn't get a summer vacation. This is <laughs> what like, adults do. <laughs> this is why you want to stay in college as long right. as you can. Right. Just keep going. <laughs> so anyway, well, Aubrey, one of the things that we tried to do on the show here, try to laugh, try to have theological yeah. conversations, pastoral yeah. conversations, but also we try to dive into the cultural kind of dividing lines and go, yeah. what are, how do we, uh, have this guy, you know, we don't want to be the people just go, Oh, whatever's good with culture. We do also don't right. want to be those people who are like big, bad culture. We never try right. to, you know, and, right. but there are moments where I feel completely out of touch and like, um, like our culture is going crazy and I yeah. can't understand yeah. one of those is over. And you didn't even really know this was a thing. No, and then you Googled, I didn't know. Then you Googled it and said, Oh, it's a thing. Yeah. Uh, is around especially in libraries but even in schools around the country and especially in like kind of your more liberal states and cities yeah yeah. drag queen story time yeah where libraries libraries or school like you said schools go ahead brian yeah and when i first heard this i was like well that is the most extreme thing ever of course this isn't happening all over the place (laughs) in the world would put their kid kindergartner first grader yeah in a drag queen, it, I would be, yeah. I wouldn't put my kid around like, you know, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to have this woman in a bikini come up. You know, like there's, right, right. there's things that just seem uh, silly, crazy, just kind of yeah. wild. Yeah. Well, then uh, the reason I wanted to talk about it is because of a tweet from the mayor of New York City. So this is no small person. This is the mayor of the largest city yes. in our country. Obviously, 
a very liberal a city yeah. and mayor, yeah. but it's New York City. So let me read what he tweeted yesterday. His name is uh, Mayor Eric Adams. Aubrey. Let me read both his tweets from yesterday. Okay. He said, drag storytellers and the libraries and schools that support them are advancing a love of diversity, personal expression, and literacy that is core to what our city embraces. At a time when our LGBTQ communities are under increased attack across this country, we must use our education system to educate. The goal is not only for our children to be academically smart, but also emotionally intelligent. There's so much there. Like he eventually yeah. gets into how he yeah. views the nature of school. That yeah. is really worrisome there. But Aubrey, you've only learned about this within the last five minutes, but drag yeah. queen story time in libraries and schools. Yeah, I, I think I, there's a couple there's a couple thoughts that I have. Uh, <laughs> one, I, I, there is a little bit of like, have I keep going back to this, like, and I'm sure it makes me sound old, but like, have we lost our minds? Yeah. I, I, there's just a part of this. And I understand that the goal is not like sexualizing kids, but I still, I don't like this. And I I've said it before about other things. I don't like introducing these very adult conversations about gender identity and the way we express our gender identity and sexuality to little ones. Like, I just think it is not, it is not protecting their vulnerability. They are not old enough to comprehend what's going on. Um, sure. There's a message of like, yeah, get used to being around different kind of people at an early age. So that doesn't freak you out and you're older. Okay. Like, uh, sure. I can understand that, but I just think we are, we've stopped protecting our kids. These are, I still feel like this is verging on grooming Mm. because we are not, we're just not allowing kids to be kids. Like, I think it's one thing for a library to have drag story time and like adults can come uh, and celebrate. And that might be a fun thing for like friends to do together. I'm not saying I would go, but that's adults is different than targeting little kids. And I just, I don't know. I just feel like we have stopped allowing children to be children. Somebody, somebody responded in this way on this Twitter thread. And I thought it was kind of interesting, uh, responding to the mayor, uh, his, him saying, this is like educating children to be academically smart and emotionally intelligent. She says, sure. But drag story hour does none of that. It's a caricature of gay life and a very unflattering view of women. How about you work on increasing literacy in a way that celebrates the literature and reading rather than a showbiz of drag? And I think that's part of the problem, too, is it's not celebrating literature and reading and books. It's celebrating something else. But I think, Brian, this is where I'm like struggling a little bit. Like this is the way the world is going. And so in one sense, this actually doesn't shock me. Like I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, of course, like this time was coming. But I do think it is more and more and more disturbing just to be like, oh, we're just going to celebrate this kind of thing and then subject our children to it. What do you I, what do you think? I, I mean, I just said some pretty, right. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. The kids are you being used as pawns here mm-hmm. in kind of a cultural like uh, touch point. And yeah, for those of you who are like, I'm glad I don't live in these cities. We know through history, things start in the cities. Yeah. Move to the suburbs and come out right. like this is right. not going to just be a New York thing or a right. 
uh, San Francisco th- or whatever else it might be where, where right now it's the cultural touch point. Right. Uh, and Aubrey, I think you make uh, really good points. There's, there's an over-sexualization here. There yep. is, uh, in this Twitter thread, there's a bunch of videos from some of these shows. And you're like, who in their right mind would put their kid there at a library? Like, you're you're doing this to, like, make a point. And you're using yeah. your kid to make a point. Yeah. In very much the same, I'm on. I'm just going to be blunt. Seeing some of these videos, it's the equivalent of me bringing my young kid and being like, "Hey, it's stripper reading time." Like, it's yeah, the, yeah, it's this. Yeah. None of us would advocate for that. And right. I think the bigger deal here is a mayor of the largest city in the country saying that we must use our education system to educate, and it's up to them to make our kids emotionally intelligent. There is the reason so many people are pulling their kids from schools right now. Yeah, like is, you, like it's gone too far. That's not your job, Mister Politician. Yeah. Your job is yeah. not to take my child into into the schools and say I'm going to decide what emotional intelligence looks like. Mm. I'm going to decide that drag queen story time is part of their education. Like, right. I don't right. think people are pulling their kids out of public schools right now because they're like. I don't think they're learning well. I don't think it's for stuff like this. And when that is like, when you're saying it's not just to make them academically smart, but emotionally intelligent. I, if I lived in New York, I'd be like, nope, my kid's done. Like we are out of there because that is code word for we're about to, you use the word groom. We're about to indoctrinate your kid and you're, you, you don't really have a say in it. Somebody else said, Brian, like, I'm just reading through these, the tweet conversation right now. Somebody else said, have you seen some of the pics of these? I hope it's okay for me to say this on air. I'll I'll blank some of these words out. Mm -hmm. One had a giant, you can uh, fill in the blank there. And another had fake, you can fill Mm -hmm. out hanging out. It's pretty gross. And I think this is where it's like, I don't know how any parent says it is okay to bring my child to this. I wouldn't let my kid watch a movie with that. I wouldn't. Uh, especially my little kids like i wouldn't i don't know i i just worry that we are what's going this generation who's not allowed kids to have like innocence and naivete what is going to come that's right that's right i think it's and here's the thing i said it before uh things start in the cities and they move out that's that's yeah. the way culture yeah. works it's yeah. not they don't stay in the cities or stay where it starts in the cities heads think about your train line it's kind of works that way and so if you're sitting here going well that would never happen in my town give it five years give it three years (laughs) and i think this is going to be on all of our doorsteps Mm. as well so a difficult conversation but something uh, unfortunately that i believe we especially as christ followers are going to need to be wrestling with and thinking about and responding to here's some weird stuff we found on the internet here's some more weird stuff we found on the web let me tell you why I love this show. Why Let's I love doing it. this Let's show. Let's hear why you love this show. In the span of a half hour or so, we have done when you should distrust your pastor, what we as Christians think about drag queen story hour, and now we're just going to read funny stories from the internet. I feel like we're all over the place. I appreciate that about us. <laughs> this is fun. We're we're a uh, we're a diverse show. We talk about all kinds of things, and I do like Eclectic. that we go heavy, but we also go funny too. I think that's nice. So, Let's try for a little fun, a little, uh, just Keith Conrad, our executive producer, he finds these stories from the internet, he sends them to us, and we don't look at them until we read them on air, okay? So that will hopefully give you uh, a regular reaction from us. This is our, our initial 
reactions. All right, Aubrey, I would like you to read the first one. Get us started. Okay, let's go. Okay, this is out of Colorado, a great state, Colorado. Ace pilot makes above par emergency landing on a Colorado golf course. Luckily, he nailed his landing to a T. Uh, the pilot of a small plane was forced into an above par emergency landing this week, safely coming down on a Colorado golf course. Wild images show the twin engine uh, parked on the Fox Hollow golf course in Lakewood, luckily just off the edge of the green. The emergency was watched by around 150 kids between ages 8 and 17 who were getting <laughs> lessons at the time. But no one was injured thanks to the unidentified pilot being such an ace. This was an unusual this was an unusual today to have a plane go down. Fox Hollow's assistant golf professional told the news. Uh, believe the emergency landing was believed to have been caused by mechanical failure. Thankfully, the pilot missed the green and didn't do any damage. Local golfers joked about how the still park plane was just another obstacle to their plane. What kind of plane is it? Oh, it's a big, pretty white plane with red stripes, curtains in the window and wheels, and it looks like a big Tylenol. That got me thinking, did you, uh, have you ever seen the movie Happy Gilmore? Uh, yes, it's been very long. Like, I couldn't yeah, remember any remember. of it, but yeah. Where he has to play, a car drives, and he has to play around it. That's what gets me, that's what makes me think about that. Like, these guys oh, are just okay. getting over oh, the funny. plane, oh, or around okay. the plane. <laughs> All right, next one's out of South Carolina. South Carolina couple finds a message in a bottle in Lake Murray. <gasps> uh, Caitlin awesome. Moody said she and her husband Austin were boating on Lake Murray during the weekend when she spotted what she initially thought was trash floating in the water. Moody picked up the Bay Bridge wine bottle and discovered it contained a sandwich bag with a note inside. The note was covered in positive messages, including family is everything, do everything you can to help others in need and be happy, and may life be like a roll of toilet paper, long <laughs> and useful. Moody posted, <laughs> that's a funny one. Moody posted photos of the bottle in the paper in the Lake Murray Life Group on Facebook in hopes of identifying the note's author and finding out how long it had been in the water. Mike Kirk, president of the Lake Murray Association, cautioned copycats against using glass bottles for messages. You could have a boat strike that bottle at a high rate of speed, damage the hull of a boat, damage the prop. You could have a water skier hit it and suffer personal injury. Well, that started as fun, but now that guy, he's just I know, that guy, like, ruined it. That guy totally ruined it. Come on, Mike Kirk. Come on. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. What would you put? What would you put in a message in a bottle? Yeah, I don't know. I'd probably put like my my address or uh, like social media handles, and like want to start a pen pal conversation. Ultimately, like I think I'd want to like move beyond just like, yo, you got the message. Like I want to be like, I know you got the message. Now let's be friends. What if? Here's what I would do. Let's okay, uh, hear. Man, we should try this sometime. I would write. <laughs> I would write a note from the future and try to trick people. <laughs> into thinking that, that I was like, I put this in here in 2040 when you get this. Uh, do you remember in the office when Jim faxed yes. Dwight things from future yes. Dwight? I, yes. I would try to do that. Like, please warn people. Oh, that could be really funny. <laughs> I think that could be good. Or even the opposite could be really funny too. Like you're like an old timey pirate and you're sending a message <laughs> to the future. You're like... And you do it in, like, interesting lettering and stuff, so people think they found a letter from the past. That would so, be interesting, So too. we would use our opportunity just to mess with people. That's what we've learned. <laughs> Practical jokes is what we would basically do, or making pen pals. Are we supposed to use a plastic bottle? Like, what are you supposed to use instead of a glass bottle? 
I don't think they want any bottles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, well, sorry. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> sorry, Mike, here's a good, Mike here's a good, Kirk. Mike Kirk, <laughs> boring Mike Kirk. All right. Here's a story out of England. Love stories out of England. Passengers aboard British Airways flight to DC panic. Oh no. As water gushes from the ceiling. Okay. This is a terrible story. Frantic passengers aboard a British Airways flight from London to Washington, D.C. may have been wondering whether to grab their life jackets after water cascaded into the cabin of a giant plane from the ceiling. I would freak out if this happened. Yeah, you would. The chaotic scene aboard flight BA-292, a double-decker Airbus, uh, the video was captured on Sunday... Uh, soaking, so the waterfall drenches the cabin, soaking crew members. They placed rugs on the floor in a desperate effort to prevent the water from spreading throughout the rest of the cabin and possibly damaging electrical components. Passengers in the affected area bolted from their seats and made their way to dry areas of the aircraft. This was not a flight for nervous flyers. An in-flight waterfall is not a regular feature at British Airways. It looked more like British waterways than British Airways. But um, bump. <laughs> the worker added, there were a few people saying they're Hail Marys, but staff were professional throughout. The airline said the flood was the result of a vaulty, faulty valve in the clean water supply aboard the Super Jumbo Jet. I was just thinking, thank goodness this wasn't like the toilet water. <laughs> that would have been right? bad. That would have been real bad. Okay, well, that's right, terrifying that everybody's okay. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. This one's bound to be a nice story because it's out of Canada. Uh, Aww. A book is returned to British Columbia Library that was 51 years overdue. I feel like we keep reading these stories. Know, this is crazy. People, return your books. A British return Columbia library said a patron recently returned a book with a note apologizing for it being 51 years overdue, the Vancouver Public Library sent in an Instagram post that the book, The Telescope by Harry Edward Neal, was returned recently with a sticky note apologizing. Very sorry it's a bit late, the note read, <laughs> but it's in very nice condition. The due date stamped inside the book, April 20th, 1971. With our recent removal of late fees, they won't be charged a cent for their late return. <laughs> oh, man, good timing. They're just, like, waiting. One day the library will remove their late fees, and that's when I'll return. That's when I'll return this book. This case has been turned over to our library investigations officer, Mr. Bookman. Bookman? The library investigator's name is actually Bookman? <laughs> it's true. That's amazing. That's like an ice cream man named Cone. Okay, Here's the next one out of Louisiana. I don't like this one either. It's terrifying. Woo! Police removed a speckled king snake from Louisiana Home's bathroom. Police in Louisiana said an officer responded to an uncommon call to relocate a snake found lurking in the resident's bathroom. Uh-uh. The town of Livingston Police Department said in a Facebook post that the department received an uncommon call on Tuesday reporting a snake in the bathroom of a resident's the responding officer had some snake expertise, the post said. Livingston police do not usually remove snakes, but the offer instantly recognized this had to be a speckled king snake. Speckled king snakes are non-venomous constrictors that prey on rodents and other snakes, including venomous species. The snake was captured and safely relocated. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? This is a horrible story. This is horrifying. Well, what do you I think? don't want to see a snake anywhere, especially in my bathroom. But what do you think? And maybe if you didn't know if it was venomous or not, that is a key aspect of this. But what do you think about calling the police 
to remove yeah, the snake from your bathroom. Yeah, I don't think I would call bathroom. police. I would be, I would call my husband and be like, get a shovel and chop off its head. Like, whatever <laughs> we need to do to, like, this thing needs to die. I mean. I'm guessing they, like, put it in a bucket or, like, did something, put something over it, you know? Uh, but. Yeah. I, I mean. I don't know that I would have called the police either. It's kind of interesting. What would you have done? I well, this is where a fear of snakes would have had to have been trumped <laughs> by a fear of being uh, emasculated. Like if I'm like scared <laughs> to get this thing. Now, the the caveat is if I didn't know, like if I had fear that this thing was like venomous, I wouldn't go yeah. near it. I would call somebody. Sure, sure. That's crazy. Well, thank you. Who are you, you calling though? Animal control, maybe? Maybe. I would maybe call the police and just go, hey, I don't know what to do. What do I but, do here? Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it does feel like when they get there and they're like, hey, man, this is completely non venomous, I'd be like, oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <My> bad. <laughs> That's our crazy, wacky world of the internet. Come back it's next wild Friday. wild out we'll... there. Brian, do you know yes. what this weekend is? I do. I do know that it's Father's Day because oh, I'm I thought you were going to say it's Juneteenth. I thought you were going to say it's Juneteenth weekend, oh, which nope. it is, but it is also Father's Day. It is also like the uh, maybe we could go back and count. It's probably the 10, 11 week anniversary of your birthday. So I'm sure we're still <laughs> celebrating that. But yes, it's Father's Day weekend. Yeah, it's almost the it's almost my half birthday, so uh, we'll celebrate that soon. No, it's Father's Day weekend. Now you're going on vacation, but do you think you'll have any Father's Day celebration while you're on vacation, or is that the Father's Day celebration? I think that'll be the. I'm sure. Uh, you know, my one daughter is in Costa Rica right now on a great school trip. But that's uh, so fun. Carrie and I and my other two kids, Jackson and Emily, will be going. Uh, on vacation and i'm sure that they'll be like hey happy father's day or maybe you know we'll go out for ice cream or something but it feels like the vacation is the father's day gift right like yeah i don't yeah, expect them to come gift. travel with gifts for me or something yeah so. yeah well yesterday my husband was he's been wanting crocs for some reason like my oldest nice. son got crocs and so he's like been asking for crocs so yesterday he was like, hey, do we have money in our budget for me to buy Crocs? And I was like, don't buy Crocs because we had already gotten him some for Father's Day. And he's Wait. like, what do you mean I can't buy Crocs? I really I need some for my upcoming hiking trip. Or, you know, and I was like, don't buy Crocs. <laughs> wink, wink. And he's like, oh, OK, now I get it. So I like he to knows think what that his just, Father's Day gift is. <laughs> I like to think that he just doesn't get it and keeps going. But why can't I have the Crocs? Well, <laughs> <laughs> why are you so mean to me? This marriage is loveless. All I want is Crocs. All I want is Crocs and you're not letting me have it. Well, okay. At this age in your life, do you do anything for your own father for Father's Day? So uh, this will probably be more confessional than anything. You know, my parents live next door to us. Yes, I do know that. So we see them often and we do try to do stuff. But if I'm going to be really honest, because that's what we do on this show, it's more com- it's more my wife doing things on Mother's Day or Father's I'm Day so for more parents. I so am grateful that you were re- you were very real about that cuz that is so true. Period. And every now and then she'll be like, "Hey, you need to take it. you need to go do something for your mom for Mother's Day." And I'll be mm-hmm. like, "Uh, what? Wait, hold on. That's <laughs> that's not part of my job description." <laughs> no. This this actually is what makes me so upset about having three sons because this is the, my future. Like you are giving me a glimpse into my future. I'm not going to get Mother's Day gifts. They're going to forget me on my birthday. I'm not going to be like invited to, you know, when their kids are born. Nope. Like this is I am so not happy about so, my future. 
So pray that they marry well. Like my mom. So that's what I am. I'm praying they marry really well. Like a woman who loves me. There's only boys in my family, but, but like bringing Carrie into the family mm-hmm. has, has ensured, you know, that these things get taken care of. Yeah. I, yeah. So <laughs> this is really funny. My brother and I, uh, so we overlapped one year at Wheaton. I might get this story wrong. I think I remember this story. We overlapped one year at Wheaton. So he okay. was a senior and I was a freshman. Okay. And so I think it was that year, although then he stayed out here and lived with some guys. So it might have been, we were both out here. My parents were okay. living in New Jersey and it was either my mom's birthday. It was probably my mom's birthday because we would have been yeah. home at my mother's day. And my brother's like, hey, man, we got to send flowers. <laughs> and back in those days, you just looked in the yellow pages, you know? <laughs> so he found it. We ended up getting all of our money back. Like, it was bad. But we called this company. We thought we did it. Like, we did it. And We, like, rocked com- Mother's Day. They delivered completely dead flowers to my mom. <laughs> Excuse me? Are you kidding? Dead. Oh, my gosh. It's no. like the Italian mafia, like a death threat. Oh, my gosh. So That's horrifying. My memory is we called, complained, and got our money. Because no, at least back then, it was no small task to order and get them delivered uh, from from half a country yeah. away. Yeah, so, yeah. Yep. So, again, it's um, good when you get a woman into the family to kind of take yeah, care of those things. I don't like thing. that. I don't like that, though. That is so horrific and sexist. But it's the, it's true. So I'm There's hoping. the important thing for you to say. But it's true. <laughs> it is. It's got to change, though. I need my kids to do something different. All right. Uh, you want to know some history of Father's Day, Brian? I Did do. you know that there are more than 70 million fathers in the United States? That makes sense. Yeah, okay. 70 million. Okay. The nation's first Father's Day was celebrated on June 19th, 1910, uh, oh. but that was in the state of Washington. It was not until 1972 when uh, President Woodrow Wilson first made Mother's Day official that the day honoring fathers became a nationwide holiday that's so interesting to me that it was in 1972 i think i would have thought that it was a little bit a little bit older than that right okay here's the origins of father's day this is all from history.com by the way if you want to go there and find out more the campaign to celebrate the nation's fathers did not meet with the same enthusiasm uh, as mother's day here's why as one forest florist explained Fathers haven't the same sentimental appeal that mothers have. (laughs) They don't sell as many flowers, basically. On July 5th, 1908, a West Virginia church sponsored the nation's first event explicitly in the honor of fathers. A Sunday sermon in memory of the 362 men who had died in the previous December's explosion at the Fairmont Coal Company mines. But that was a one-time commemoration, not an annual holiday. But I like that. It began with the church, the church rising up. That's so good. Uh, So then, um, anyway, slowly the holiday began to spread. 1916, President Wilson honored the day by using telegraph signals to unfurl a flag in Spokane when he pressed a button in Washington, D.C. In 1924, President Calvin Coolidge urged state governments to observe Father's Day. Obviously, today now it is celebrated all across the country on uh, usually around whatever the third Sunday of June is this year. Obviously, it's June 20th. Uh, There's been some controversy. Are you ready? You want to know the controversy controversy. about Father's Day? Men have disdained the day. 
because they have scoffed at the holiday sentimental attempts to domesticate manliness with flowers and gift giving. This sounds like a Mark Driscoll tweet. Or they derided they derided the proliferation of such holidays as a commercial gimmick to sell more products, often paid for by the what? father himself. Well, what, what are your man, thoughts about that? <laughs> what? What man is asking for flowers for Father's Day? That's what, what I'm thinking. Wife, what wife is, is giving, giving her, her husband, husband flowers? I, every guy I know, myself included, like <laughs> if we were home and my wife said, what do you want to do for Father's Day? Yeah. I would say I would like to grill burgers and I would like to watch the U.S. Open and that maybe have the yeah. Mets game on. But otherwise, right. I would like to just have a nice day, family day. That's all right. we would do. I will say this, and this might sound – I don't even – I don't have good reasoning for this. But, okay, let's but, hear it. But I'll bet you you feel the same way. I think Mother's Day is exponentially more important than Father's Day. Like, Tell me fa- why – I agree, but tell me why you think It just that. feels that way, right? Like, yeah. Every time Father's Day comes around, I'm kind of like, eh. Like I right. don't know what I want. I just want to – and this isn't like some stand of like because moms do more. I – this is not this at all. It's just, there's just something that Mother's Day always feels special. Like I'm going to honor my yeah. wife and my mom. Yeah. Father's Day always feels like. Eh, like it's kind of like it's kind of bur- like, like an add-on. Like it's a little bit like oh, we feels did Mother's like Day, it. so we better do Father's Day. But you're yeah. right. Like I don't know any. Like my dad and my husband are never like. I would really like flowers and a day yeah. to go to the spot. Like, no, they just want to like do what they want to do. So maybe that's why yes. it's not special because Father's Day is every day. Every day I is knew that Father's was coming. Day. I knew that was coming. <laughs> okay, I always say, one last. I always say I would like I would like to just, just celebrate this for the year. Let's just do that. So. <laughs> yes, every day is Father's Day. Okay, here's the last little bit of information for you. Today, economists estimate that Americans spend more than one billion dollars each year on Father's Day gifts. Really? Yeah, that's a little shocking to me. I'm a little shocked by that information. I Crocs were not a billion dollars, so I don't know how much we added to I that. Just we'll see. Yeah, I just don't feel like Father's Day is that big a deal as a yeah. father, and I am a father. Like yeah. I feel like I need to honor my wife on Mother's Day. Like it's a special day. But not you're okay she's like, if you it's be- not like not, not and not because she's like you better honor me. Like it just feels like a bigger <laughs> deal. So, ha- but to all you fathers out there, all I you hope it's a wonderful there. day. Yes, uh, watch the U.S. Open and yes. uh, hopefully you get something off the grill. Hopefully you get some flowers and some chocolates. Happy Gosh. Father's Day. We are so thrilled to be joined by Jeannie Stevens. Jeannie is a founding and co-lead pastor of Soul City Church in Chicago. And she's a friend of mine. She's author of a brand new book <laughs> called What's Here Now? How to Stop Rehashing the Past and Rehearsing the Future and Start Receiving the Present. Jeannie, we are so glad that you're with us today. Thanks for being here. Oh, Aubrey, it's so good to see you and Brian. And thank you so much for having me. I love this show, mm-hmm. love what you guys are doing. And so it's just a treat to be able to to be here and to share about uh, the book. What's here now? Well, this is so fun. And we love having local Chicago pastors on. So that makes it extra special. That's right. For our listeners who may not know you or may not know about Soul City, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So uh, my husband and I now live right outside of the city, but for the last 10 years, we've been right downtown. Our church is in the West Loop. uh, And if you've ever been to Chicago, we are about a mile away from the Bean and from Sears Tower (laughs) and from the United Center, the home that Michael Jordan built. uh, And so we're right (laughs) in the epicenter 
of all things that are fun and good about Chicago. And we started our church in our living room about 12 years ago with a handful of people. So um, I'm a church planter and it has just been a unbelievable journey of watching God do the miraculous over Mm. the last 12 years as he's brought people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. So yeah, our church is right downtown Chicago. Amazing. My husband and I co-pastor it together. uh, And it's called Soul City Church because we really, really, really care deeply about people being transformed at a soul level. Mm, Love that. It's amazing. That's great. And again, Jeannie's new book is called What's Here Now? How to Stop Rehashing the Past and Rehearsing the Future and Start uh, start Receiving the Present. And Jeannie, uh, talk to us about that rehashing the past and rehearsing the future. How does that affect our present? Yeah, you know, it's so so funny, Brian. I think that so many of us, uh, when we pause and start to think about it, we're not really here all the time. Like we're here, here, our bodies are here. Uh, but so often our minds and our hearts are somewhere else. And I know that that was true for me. I started to realize that being present was a struggle. And and I, I recognized it on the doorsteps of burnout on the doorsteps of exhaustion. Mm. And when I began to really pay attention to the reality that I was not here in the present moment, I started asking myself, okay, well, if I'm not here, then where am I? And I realized that I was either rehashing the past. I was, you know, thinking about something that had already happened. And, And the funny thing about rehashing the past is it's just trying to change something that has already occurred, right? Something that you cannot change. Mm -hmm. Or I was rehearsing the future, Mm -hmm. which is just trying to control something that has not yet occurred. And and God invites us to be in the here and the now. And I realized in the process of researching and studying and, and really just paying attention to my own soul and my own life is that the present is God's zip code. If you want to know where God lives, if you want the address of God, it's this now moment. This is where God always is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But to experience God, you have to be in the here and the now. Mm. But so many of us, we we get stuck rehashing the past or rehearsing the future. And and when we rehash the past, Mm. you know, there's usually some signs that we're doing it. Things like Blame or shame, uh, unprocessed grief, bitterness, Mm. or guilt. Those are kind of the signs that we're living in something that has already happened. And and then there's some signs that we're rehearsing the future. Things like worry, denial, Hmm. pretending, obligation, controlling things. These are all signs that we're rehearsing Mm. the future. And, Mm. And God invites us to come back to this now moment hmm. to experience hmm. his presence because it's the only moment that we actually have. Gee, that's so yeah. good. And I, I feel like you're exactly right. So many of us don't, I don't even know that we're aware that we're not being present. And I, yeah. I was even talking to Brian about this recently. I just got back from vacation and I realized how present I was there, which occurred like, oh, I'm not present in my actual life. So give us some practical tips. Like when we start to realize, okay, I'm not actually in this moment at all. Like I don't even feel my feet on the ground right now. What in the world do you do? 
Yeah, I love that question. And, and I, I love even the, the picture that you painted, right? I, I don't even feel my feet here on the ground. And, mm. you know, when you go to the airport, or you go to the mall, and you're trying to figure out like where to go, right? You need to find the Delta terminal, or you're at the mall, and you're like, where's that Annie Ann's pretzel place, right? I want to know where it is. <laughs> you, go to the, you go to the directory, and you look for that red dot, right? That mm-hmm. always says, you are here. And this question, what's here now is my red dot. It Hmm. is my way of welcoming myself back to the present moment. And so when I ask the question, what's here now, it really is a way to pull myself back to presence. And I, and I ask myself three things. What am I sensing in my body? What am I feeling in my heart? And what am I thinking in my mind? Hmm. You know, Jesus taught us that to love God and to love others, we have to do that. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. So the way that we actually experience love, and, and you experience love in the presence of God and in the presence of yourself and of one another. So to experience love, you have to be present. So you have to pay attention. What's going on in my body? Mm. What's going on in my heart? Mm. And what's going on in my mind? So what Stay. am I sensing in my body? I just ask myself, okay, what am I sensing here in my body? You know, is, is my back? sore? Do I have a headache? Like, is there a rumbling Mm. in my stomach? Am I nervous? Like, and what's amazing is the body is incapable of lying. It's incapable of, you know, sending Mm. a message that isn't true. Uh, The body is actually a very trustworthy container to pay Mm. attention to. That's Uh, and, And then to pay attention, what am I feeling in my heart? So many of us Uh, We've grown up and we've never been taught how to actually notice and name our emotions. Hmm. But Hmm. it's critical in our relationship with with God and with ourselves and with one another to actually be able to notice and name. Oh, I'm feeling sadness. Hmm. I'm I'm feeling Hmm. excitement. I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling uh, anger. And to just be able to notice that and then name it, you know, and and an emotion, it's just energy in motion. An emotion isn't looking for an answer. An emotion isn't knocking on your door saying, give me all the answers. It's just asking to be felt in your body. And so can you notice it, name it? And then, and then your thoughts, right? Can I pay attention to all Mm. of these thoughts that are running through my mind? You know, as humans, we think 60 to 80,000 thoughts in a day. That's a lot of thinking. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And so can I pause long enough in the present moment to just pay attention are these thoughts yeah. good thoughts? Mm. Are these thoughts helpful thoughts? Are mm. these thoughts trustworthy thoughts? Are these thoughts from God? Are these thoughts worthy of landing wow. on the runway of my mind? Because if they are not, <laughs> I need to clear them for takeoff. Right? And yeah. so these are the yeah. things that I do. I ask myself, what's here now? Then what am I sensing in my body? What am I feeling in my heart? What am I thinking in my mind? And every time we do that, we come back to the present moment. Mm. We're back in this moment yeah. with God, with ourselves and with one another. So good. Oh, Jeannie, that's yeah. so good. I want to ask you real fast, the role of distraction. I All those things you say, I often just go through my day distracted. I'm checking Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to mow the lawn. I'm doing this. How can we be, how can we live in the present with some sort of intentionality to actually do these things yeah. you're talking about. Uh, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wrote the book that I needed, right? And, and right, in so right. many ways, yeah. this book wrote me um, more than I wrote this book because mm. it was my invitation to presence. Because I think you're exactly right, Brian. Mm-hmm. So many of us 
are distracted um, because there are things vying for our attention all the time, yeah, all the time. And not just the things outside of us that are vying for our attention, um, but then all of the things that we're carrying in life that cause us to get distracted mm. or, you know, these little devices that we put in our pockets that literally cause us to numb and to pull yeah. away from presence. Right. And That's one right. of the, the quickest things that I do when I, when I can actually realize, oh, wait, you're fully distracted. You're not here. You're not with your people. You're thinking about something else. Yeah. You're, you're not even, you know, with yourself right now is to pause and to pay attention to your breath, to just mm. pay attention to your inhale and your exhale to recognize, okay, mm. I'm going to pause. I'm going to pay attention to this inhale and to this exhale. I'm going to come back into this now moment. I'm going to ask myself the question, what's here now? What is, what is it that I'm not wanting to face and I'm choosing to be distracted instead? Usually Mm. we distract Mm. ourselves when we don't want to face something that God wants us to face. And so it's an invitation to come back to presence and say, okay, God, what is it that you want me to pay attention to here? What is it that I'm trying to numb myself out of that you actually want me to notice and to name and to bring some loving nurture to, right? Mm. Um, So that's usually what I do is I just pause. I breathe and I ask the question, what's your name? Oh, that's so good. Jeannie Stevens is a founding and co-lead pastor of Soul City Church in Chicago. We've been talking about her new book, What's Here Now? How to Stop Rehashing the Past and Rehearsing the Future and Start Receiving the Present. Such a perfect book for this this moment in our lives. Jeannie, where can people find you, find the book, uh, all things Jeannie Stevens? Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm on all the social channels just as Jeannie Stevens, J-E-A-N-N-E-S-T-E-V-E-N-S. So you can find me there and interact with me there. Uh, you can also find me at my website, JeannieStevens.com. And the book is sold wherever uh, you like to get your books. So Amazon, Target, mm-hmm. Barnes & Noble, all those places. Um, or, you know, your local bookstore um, also uh, carries it, go. which I'm always a supporter of, of local bookstores. So, um, so yeah, I would love to... Love to have you pick it up and read it and um, and reach out to me. I'd love to engage with you. Jeannie, thanks so much for being awesome. here with us today. Mm, thanks, thanks for Jeannie. having me, Aubrey and Brian. It's Friday. It's our favorite thing to do. That is a top five top list. Top five list. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. All right, Brian, with uh, that theme song in our heads, we are going to do top five famous television dads in honor yes. of Father's Day. Are you ready? Yeah, it's a great way to honor the dads. And as I like looking for this list because... Uh, there aren't, there are a lot of great TV dads, but they're very different. And so, uh, they are all very different because of that. I think I wonder, I'm going to bet. I like to think about in our top five, how many, not numbers same, but just same people on our top five list, not counting honorable mention. So how many crossovers do you think we'll have? I think we might have a couple honorable mention similarities, but my guess is we have zero crossovers. Interesting. I was gonna. I was gonna try to guess one, but okay, I'm ready. Okay, All we'll right. see what happens. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, my number five might be the only possible crossover we can have okay. because 
Okay. He is not a thought of like old school stereotypical TV dad. He becomes yeah. a dad much later in the show and yeah. not much of his storyline is around being a dad, but he still oh, we might have we might have a crossover. We might have a crossover. He still becomes a dad and it adds to his character. It's a show you and I have talked about a lot about Parks and Rec. I went with Ron Swanson. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, Ron Swanson will make it on my list as well. You're right. You're right. We have a crossover. Well done. Ron Swanson is such an amazing character. Over, oh, across the board. If you've never watched Parks and Rec, go watch it. It will make you laugh. Yes. And Ron Swanson is much of the reason it will make you laugh. Oh, he is such an amazing character. Okay, Brian, I know this. I know this dad is not on your list. This is a little bit of a controversial show, but I'm going to tell you, he was a great dad for the one season that he was on it. And that's a major spoiler I've just shared, but it's been a long time since it's been on. So people should know by now. I'm going with Ned Stark from Game of Thrones. Never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll just, this is a major spoiler. Turn this off if you want to hear. Ned Stark basically dies for his whole family in season one and is so powerful and he's such a good dad. So that is, okay. that's who I choose, Ned Stark. Well, so since you just set the bar at, um, they gave their life for their family. Yeah. Yeah, pretty high. Uh, that is that is going to really call into question my number four. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he was my number five, so I, you know, I'm going I'm going downhill, I guess, from there. What's your number four? Who's your my number four? My number four for just straight hilarity. He's a terrible father in the show, but for straight hilarity from Seinfeld, Frank Costanza. <laughs> He is a terrible father. I don't remember much of Seinfeld, but I do remember that. That's very he's, funny. He's Jerry Stiller, Ben Stiller's real father. Yeah. And yes. uh, Frank Costanza is the best in that show. So, yes, I'm going so, Frank Costanza. So But funny. he did not lay down his life for his family. No, he definitely did it. Okay, that's a, very, that's a good, good famous TV dad, though. I like it. Okay, I'm going to go with, I mean, he's a little bit cheesy, but R.I.P. Danny Tanner from Full House. He is a great TV dad. He's so sweet. And he, you know, he just died. What was it last year? Bob Saget, what, probably six months ago? Yeah. 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 So Danny Tanner, Full House. He's a great okay. TV dad. My number three, I think you would have thought that this was going to be my number one, but we're we're trying to zero in on this purple as dads. Like, you know. Yes. And, yes. and so while this is uh, what I always discuss is my favorite show, I'm making him number three. It's Jack Arnold from The Wonder Years. Yeah, because he's a scary dad. He's just your stereotypical, and I don't know if dads were actually like this in the 1950s and the 1960s. He's just the stereotype of it. And he's so good in the show. He is so good in the show. You probably don't remember much of The Wonder Years, but like the end, like the last episode, because, you know, The Wonder Years, the voice of Kevin Arnold is from like 20 years ahead. Right, right. And he's talking. And Kevin Arnold, like, he basically just throws in the fact that uh, his dad died of a heart attack at the age of, like, 50. And you're like, what? Jack oh. Arnold? What? Jack Arnold? Oh. Can I blow your mind real fast with a, yes, uh, please. a Wonder Years, stat, a Wonder Years yes. Um, truth? Yes. Uh, so the way the Wonder Years was set up was, like, retrospective, right? Like, so mm-hmm. it came out in the mid-80s and was looking at a time before if the Wonder Years came out now with the same time period difference, yeah. it would it would be set in the early 2000s. 
<laughs> Shut up. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. That's weird. That's thing. weird. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's us in college. Let's talk about that. That's us in college. It's out okay. of college. Yes. It's out of college. That's us in early marriage. Oh, yes. man. Okay. I don't yes. like that. I feel old. All right. Um, my number three was your number five, or uh, number five, I think. Ron Swanson, Parks yes. and Rec. Yes. Got to have him on your list. All, All right. right, who's your number two, Brian? So this will be interesting. My number to hear. two and my number one are both. Uh, I just like them as dads. They make me laugh okay. a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. And I went through seasons. I went through these shows. I, I watched a lot of these shows when they were first on, and 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 soon after in syndication. Number two for me, uh, from Modern Family, is Phil Dunphy. I knew he was going to be on your list. You I love Phil Dunphy. Love yeah. Phil Dunphy. And what you we and Phil Dunphy mod- have in common is high school. Your love for High School Musical. That's true. Phil Dunphy. Nobody on that show makes me laugh more than yeah, Phil he's Dunphy. Funny. He is so he's funny. good. But then he will be super like, um, like sensitive, and he'll be like yeah. super goofy, and he'll be super. Yeah. yeah. So I love the character of Phil Dunphy. Dunphy from Modern Family. Yeah, that's he's a really good one. He's going to show up on my uh, on my honorable mention list. I like him too. Okay, it was so hard for me to choose between number two and number one, but I'm I I, I feel pretty solid in my choice. Number two, Brian. I know you've never watched this show, but I'm going with Randall Pearson from This Is Us. Uh, there's a lot of good dads in This Is Us, but Randall Pearson makes you cry every single episode. Okay, and he gives speeches that are unstoppable. They even make jokes about his speeches in the show because his speeches are so... But you, even Kevin, my husband Kevin will be like crying every episode with Randall Pearson. Well, so good. Give, you didn't give me enough credit. That's my number one. I'm just kidding. What? Oh, I I'm was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, I made just kind of a, a, a list of five kind of all kind okay. of oh, for, for my um, honorable mention. And they all kind of fall in mid, mid to late okay. 80s. Like they're all okay. right there. In the okay. stereotypical sitcom. So yeah. can we just get the one off the table? It's hard to have a dad list. Don't say him. Cli- Don't without, say him. Without Cliff Huxtable. Brian, it's time for you to let it go. He then turned a little too abuser in his real life. So we'll take I him mean, off the table. But okay. he has to be mentioned. Okay. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. You, you and your cancel culture. Uh, here we go. <laughs> I'm only mentioning the character, not the person. Don't mention uh, the character or the person. I went Jason Seaver from, uh, oh, from Growing Pains. Well done. Yes. Uh, Uncle Phil. Phil Banks from yeah, Fresh good, Prince of good. Bel-Air. Solid. Solid choice. Stephen Keaton from Family Ties. Oh, man. You're going old school. Well, let's go really old school here. Early 80s to mid 80s. Phil Drummond from Different Strokes. Oh, man. I barely remember that he is the real rich white guy right so the premise of different strokes is a little problematic these days but in the day <laughs> it was a really good show i really enjoyed yeah it. yeah okay gosh wow you went old school well done sir thank you all right so that brings okay. me to my number one all right and... let me say my honorable mention oh yes go ahead do your honorable mention uh i did phil dunphy like i mentioned and then i i kind of like the Disney dad, so I got Bob Duncan from Good Luck Charlie and Jerry Russo from Wizards of Waverly Place. I love those I dads; love they're fun. Bob Duncan, I know, uh, isn't he great? The whole I Duncan would have family. Also, thought about doing the dad if you were going Disney Channel. Yeah, uh, the dad from Live and Maddie. Oh uh, yeah, I, like I forgot about that dad. Oh, those are yeah, the classic yeah, yeah. golden era of Disney television. It okay, really all right. Was Brian? Right, who one, is your number one? 
I've mentioned him before. This will not come. Yes, anyway, he's goofy. He's funny. He's loving. He's cringy. He's all of these things. I'm going from Everybody Loves Raymond, Ray Barone. <laughs> oh, man. That is I, I, not who I expected you to say, but you do love Everybody Loves Raymond, Ray Barone. And That's a great, he, He's a great dad. He's a great dad. Great character. He is just so funny as a husband and a dad. Yes, Carrie and I have talked so many times about things he did. There was an entire episode where him and Deborah left a suitcase at the bottom of the stairs and just tried to wait each other out for who would carry it up first. There's another one where Deborah finds out that Ray tells his brother uh, the, the key to marriage is to do it wrong the first time and then your wife will never ask you to do it again. <laughs> watch that show again it's so been a good. long time so yeah good. so Who's funny right okay yes. my number one is definitely uh I, I don't know if you've ever seen the show brian but i know you've heard of it it's from a little show in the 90 uh night nope 2000s show in the 2000s called the oc it's sandy cohen one of the mm. coolest beach lawyer dads around beach lawyer dads love lots that of beach guy. lawyer dads out there okay that was <laughs> that fun sandy i like Co- that was fun it's fun to go back and think about old TV dads. It's yeah, fun. it definitely is. All right. Well, if we missed any famous TV dads, let us know. We that in honor of you dads out there. Have a happy Father's Day. Hey, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you have a happy Father's Day weekend, a happy Juneteenth weekend. I'll be back again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. Brian's going to be out all week. See so ya. wish Brian. <laughs> Brian, have a wonderful Thank vacation. You. We will definitely miss you. For Brian from I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.